chapter 11, the Christian's privilege. Many who are sincerely seeking for holiness of heart and purity of life seem perplexed and discouraged. They are constantly looking to themselves and lamenting their lack of faith, and because they have no faith, they feel that they cannot claim the blessing of God. These persons mistake feeling for faith. They look above the simplicity of true faith and thus bring great darkness upon their souls. They should turn the mind from self to dwell upon the mercy and goodness of God and to recount his promises and then simply believe that he will fulfill his word. We are not to trust in our faith but in the promises of God. When we repent of our past transgressions of his law and resolve to render obedience in the future, we shall believe that God for Christ's sake accepts us and forgives our sins. Darkness and discouragement will sometimes come upon the soul and threaten to overwhelm us, but we should not cast away our confidence. We must keep the eye fixed on Jesus, feeling or no feeling. We should seek to faithfully perform every known duty and then calmly rest in the promises of God. The life of faith. At time, a deep sense of our unworthiness will send a thrill of terror through the soul. But this is no evidence that God has changed toward us or we toward God. No effort should be made to rein the mind up to a certain intensity of emotion. We may not feel today the peace and joy which we felt yesterday, but we should by faith grasp the hand of Christ and to trust him as fully in the darkness as in the light. Satan may whisper, you are too great a sinner for Christ to save. While you acknowledge that you are indeed sinful and unworthy, you may meet the tempter with the cry, by virtue of the atonement I claim Christ as my Savior. I trust not to my own merits, but to the precious blood of Jesus which cleanseth me. This moment I hang my helpless soul in Christ. The Christian life must be a life of constant living faith and unyielding trust. A firm reliance upon Christ will bring peace and assurance to the soul. Resisting temptation. Be not discouraged because your heart seems hard. Every obstacle, every internal foe only increases your need of Christ. He came to take away the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Look to him for special grace to overcome your peculiar faults. When assailed by temptation, steadfastly resist the evil prompting. Say to your soul, how can I dishonor my Redeemer? I have given myself to Christ. I cannot do the works of Satan. Cry to the dear Savior for help to sacrifice every idol and to put away every darling sin. Let the eye of faith see Jesus standing before the Father's throne, presenting his wounded hands as he pleads for you. Believe that strength comes to you through your precious Savior. Viewing with the eye of faith, by faith look upon the crowns laid up for those who shall overcome. Listen to the exultant song of the redeemed. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain and has redeemed us to God. Endeavor to regard these scenes as real. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, in his terrible conflict with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, exclaimed, 
Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. The Savior of the world was revealed to him as looking down from heaven upon him with the deepest interest, and the glorious light of Christ's countenance shone upon Stephen with such brightness that even his enemies saw his face shine like the face of an angel. If we would permit our minds to dwell more upon Christ and the heavenly world, we should find a powerful stimulus and support in fighting the battles of the Lord. Pride and love of the world will lose their power as we contemplate the glories of that better land so soon to be our home. Beside the loveliness of Christ, all earthly attractions will seem of little worth. Let none imagine that without earnest effort on their part they can obtain the assurance of God's love. When the mind has been long permitted to dwell only on earthly things, it is a difficult matter to change the habits of thought. That which the eye sees and the ear hears too often attracts the attention and absorbs the interest. But if we would enter the city of God and look upon Jesus in his glory, we must become accustomed to beholding him with the eye of faith here. The words and character of Christ should be often the subject of our thoughts and of our conversation. And each day sometimes should be especially devoted to prayerful meditation upon these sacred themes. Silencing the spirit. Sanctification is a daily work. Let none deceive themselves with the belief that God will pardon and bless them while they are trampling upon one of his requirements. The willful commission of a known sin silences the witnessing voice of the Spirit and separates the soul from God. Whatever may be the ecstasies of religious feeling, Jesus cannot abide in the heart that disregards a divine law. God will honor those only who honor him. His servants ye are to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. If we indulge anger, lust, covetousness, hatred, selfishness, or any other sin, we become servants of Christ. No man can serve two masters. If we serve sin, we cannot serve Christ. The Christian will feel the promptings of sin, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, but the spirit striveth against the flesh keeping up a constant warfare. Here's where Christ's help is needed. Human weakness becomes united to divine strength, and faith exclaims, Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Correct religious habits. If we would develop a character which God can accept, we must form correct habits in our religious life. Daily prayer is as essential to growth in grace and even to spiritual life itself as is temporal food to physical well-being. We should accustom ourselves to lift the thoughts often to God in prayer. If the mind wanders, we must bring it back. By persevering effort, habit will finally make it easy. We cannot for one moment separate ourselves from Christ with safety. We may have his presence to attend us at every step, but only by observing the condition which he himself has laid down. Religion must be made the great business of life. Everything else should be held subordinate to this. All our powers of soul, body, and spirit must be engaged in the Christian warfare. 
we must look to Christ for strength and grace, and we shall gain the victory as surely as Jesus died for us. The value of the soul. We must come nearer to the cross of Christ. Penitence at the foot of the cross is the first lesson of peace we have to learn. The love of Jesus, who can comprehend it? Infinitely more tender and self-denying than a mother's love. If we would know the value of a human soul, we must look in living faith upon the cross and thus begin the study which shall be the science and the song of the redeemed through all eternity. The value of our time and our talents can be estimated only by the greatness of the ransom paid for our redemption. What ingratitude do we manifest toward God when we rob him of his own by withholding from him our affections and our service? Is it too much to give ourselves to him who has sacrificed all for us? Can we choose the friendship of the world before the immortal honors which Christ proffers to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne? A progressive work. Sanctification is a progressive work. The successive steps are set before us in the words of Peter. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is a course by which we may be assured that we shall never fall. Those who are thus working upon the plan of addition in obtaining the Christian graces have the assurance that God will work upon the plan of multiplication in granting them the gifts of his Spirit. Peter addresses those who obtained like precious faith. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. By divine grace, all who will may climb the shining steps from earth to heaven, and at last with songs and everlasting joy enter through the gates into the city of God. Our Savior claims all there is of us. He asks our first and holiest thoughts, our purest and most intense affection. If we are indeed partakers of the divine nature, his praise will be continually in our hearts and upon our lips. Our only safety is to surrender our all to him and to be constantly growing in grace and in the knowledge of the truth. Paul's shout of victory. The apostle Paul was highly honored of God being taken in holy vision to the third heaven where he looked upon scenes whose glories he was not permitted to reveal. Yet this did not lead him to boastfulness or self-confidence. He realized the importance of constant watchfulness and self-denial and plainly declares, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
Paul suffered for the truth's sake, and yet we hear no complaint from his lips. As he reviews his life of toil and care and sacrifice, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The shout of victory from God's faithful servant comes down the line to our time. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Though Paul was at last confined in a Roman prison, shut away from the light and air of heaven, cut off from his active labors in the gospel, and momentarily expecting to be condemned to death, yet he did not yield to doubt or despondency. From that gloomy dungeon came his dying testimony, full of a sublime faith and courage that has inspired the hearts of saints and martyrs in all succeeding ages. His words fitly describe the results of that sanctification which we have in these pages endeavored to set forth. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing.
I lay my burdens down